Welcome to another episode of the Northwest Arkansas Politics Podcast. We are your source for political news in Washington, Benton, Carroll, and Madison counties. For the latest political headlines, be sure to head over to nwapolitics.net. Today I've got an interview with Democrat Kelly Scott Unger. She's challenging Representative Robin Lundstrom for House District 87, which stretches from Springdale all the way over to Siloam Springs at the Oklahoma border. As always, Representative Lundstrom is welcome to come on in a future episode and discuss her campaign. But for now, let's get to Kelly's interview. For starters, can you tell me what encouraged you to run for House District 87? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a saying out there that if you don't like something or you're not happy with the way the government's going, go vote to change it. And the problem with the area that I live in is when you go to vote, there's no choices. Nobody is running. So when I get passionate about issues like education and health care, and there's nobody, there are no choices to understand who's going to look out for our state, who's going to look out for our community, it just really kind of empowered me. Like, it's not me. Who? Let's do it now. And it just felt like the right time. And it's been a whirlwind of excitement ever since we decided to run. I don't know if you know this, but District 87 has not had a party opponent in maybe 30, 35 years. It's hard to find the exact time because the lines were redrawn at that point. So it's been quite a while. Yeah, I, I you know, every, you know, for our listeners who are, are familiar, every, uh, after every census, they, they redraw the political boundary lines. So yeah, it's, it's difficult to track down sometimes. Because they'll remember districts, districts will lose towns or gain other towns. So yeah, I can, I can see where that right. would be, you know, tricky to keep up with. Yeah. Uh, you've, you've been on the campaign trail for, for several months now. Can you tell me, you know, what are the voters talking about? What are, what are they concerned with? So it's been, I've been on the trail since January the 6th. That's when we made the announcement. And I think the first thing that I hear from people is always, uh, I'm so glad you're running. This is just so great to have some new energy and new excitement. And I always appreciate that comment from our voters. Even some of the ones that have expressed that they won't vote for me are just excited to have an opponent because it brings some transparency and accountability to our government. And that's how our government was supposed to work. So I'm always motivated to hear that from voters, and I hear that a lot. As far as issues go, you know, they're a lot like me, and they care about education. They they are concerned. Why is Arkansas constantly 47 in education? Can't we do better? Our kids deserve better. They say the same thing with health care. Um, at the same time, they're also concerned about taxes. And all of my the towns in my district, so for the listeners, it's Salem Springs, Tawnytown, Elm Springs, and then a little bit of Northwest Springdale, they're also all concerned about infrastructure. There's a lot of development going on, a new interstate uh, by, bypass in our district, and a lot of small businesses that we want to make sure that can grow and support. So we hear a lot of conversations about that from voters, too. Now, the, the district itself, House District 87, is actually a pretty wide district, stretching from uh, parts of Springdale all the way over to the Oklahoma border and Silent Springs. Have you been able to make it to all of these towns and everywhere in between so far? Yes, definitely keeping 412 busy, for sure. Um, there's just, I live myself in downtown Salem Springs, so I'm able to 
canvas there pretty easily just by getting coffee or, you know, participating in the downtown community where we live. And uh, my daughter goes to school in Silent Springs. It's a public school there. So I'm definitely able to connect there with ease. But it's been so exciting to be able to be a part of Pawneetown's great, rich history, see some of the great things in Elm Springs, through the Elm Springs Heritage Center, and just some of the cool history that they have. Um, in that area, as well as meet some of the people that have lived there for so long. And they just have so many stories and are just really connected to one another. And it's it's amazing. And also that Northwest Springdale Loop. It's a great opportunity for me. I've loved reaching out to some of the businesses there and the voters there. Um, so, yeah, I've been trying to hit all those areas as much as I can and get involved um, and just connect with the voters. That's been you know, the most eye-opening thing to me is how willing they're, they are to talk about issues and share with me their stories and the things that matter with them. Now, the, the voters of House District 87 uh, have already re-elected your opponent, Representative Robin Lundstrom, once. And, of course, she's going for a third term now. Are you confident that you can sway voters over to your side? Well, absolutely. I believe that we are going to win this race, and I've never been more confident, thanks to the voters and the great group of volunteers we have. Um, when you say that my opponent has been reelected, she hasn't had a party opponent. And I think this just gives a new energy for both her campaign and my campaign to really get out there and, and hear from voters. You know, there's just, it's an opportunity for voters Never has there been a better opportunity for voters to really share to both of our campaigns, you know, what matters. You've got representation. You've got people running and fighting for you. That's a great thing that motivates people. Now, you've also mentioned that education is an important topic to you when you're out on the campaign trail. So what are your plans to address educational funding if you're you're elected to the legislature? Yes, I'm glad you asked about education. It it is really important to me, and I think I've heard a quote before by Tom Brokaw that if you can't get behind the public schools, what else can you support? And it is a a, a nonpartisan issue that combines us because our school systems are one of the pieces of our community. You know, we are um, it's a, it's an investment we as taxpayers make. To have the public schools, it gives us an educated workforce. These are kids that may be developing a cure for cancer. Um, they may go to the moon again and see some other planets. You just don't know. When we have that type, when we have an educated workforce, when we have people ready to be a part of our community with knowledge, that's power. And so it's really important that we build our schools up. Also, it's important to me that every school be considered a good school, not just one over there and not just one over here. As a lot of our state goes towards school choice and things like that, we have to be cognizant of those things, especially in a town like Silent Springs where you only have one school. So to address funding, I think the first thing I want to say is that the answer isn't always just to throw money at school. Um, That's a lot of times what people think when you talk about issues. But really, it's let's look at how we're using the money and always make sure we're doing it efficiently. 
Um, I think that's a big priority. Secondly, teachers. We are, we've got to take care of our teachers. And that definitely means giving them a raise. So there is a funding opportunity there. Teachers are not paid enough. Um, we can see this. We're getting a teacher shortage through Arkansas. They are just releasing a study about that through the legislature right now where the uh, education has been, group has been meeting. And we're seeing a decline in kids that are going to college to become teachers. And so we really have to think about how we treat our teachers, how we pay our teachers, how we recruit our teachers. And we can do that in other ways, too. You know, look at their insurance. Our teachers pay too much for health insurance. That's just a benefit we can work on. They shouldn't have to pay that much. You know, giving them the resources that allows them to grow as a teacher and have career goals as a teacher and making sure they have benefits that that make it attractive and, quote, unquote, cool to be a teacher. Um, also, the retirement system that we have has been one of those, you know, it's one of those things that really attracts teachers to the industry, and we need to make sure that's protected so it's something they can count on. I was with a lot of voters last night in a, in a informal setting, and most of them were teachers, and there were about three of them that were retired. And they've given 30 years to our public school, and they just, they were so passionate about some of these issues. So I think that's huge. I, um, I really think we can do better by our schools. I'm not okay with our schools being 47. And I want us to be, we are the coolest state to me, and I just think we can do better. I'm not okay with 47. Um, we need to invest in pre-K programs. This is really important for areas like District 87 where there's more rural areas. Uh, Pre-K programs do uh, allow our kids to be more ready on that first day of kindergarten so that they're on a more equal playing field, which allows teachers to teach more, teach more efficiently. It allows some of our students that have our English as second learners to be, again, on a have to give them a fair chance for our education system. And it also, studies show a pre-K program those that go through a pre-K program are more likely to be employable right after high school. Um, so those, that's a really big issue for me. Uh, I love Salem Springs has a great program through their public school. as a CAST program that does some technical training for those kids that don't want to, um, maybe College Avenue is not right for them. And we always need to make sure we're providing those opportunities. And I'd love to see how we can make that program better and support it and even replicate it in other parts of the state. It's really something to be proud of for that area. So with education, it's just a priority. And it, for me, I think there's nothing more important for us as voters and for us as Arkansans to get behind and really support. In addition to education, another one of your priorities that you've listed is criminal justice reform. So can you tell me if you have any specific policy ideas to address things like prison overcrowding and uh, rehabilitation more efficiently here in Arkansas if you're elected? Yes, absolutely. Great question. Um, so I spent a lot of my early legal career as a prosecutor in Washington County and um, got to see a lot of firsthand some of the issues that we have in our criminal justice system, some of them in, uh, inefficiencies around the holding of uh, defendants before they're um, 
prosecuted and the type of money it takes to hold them and incarcerate them in their trial before they're even proven guilty. You know, looking at some of that issue, I think, is really important, too. And um, you're right, we, at least this, we're kind of moving to a path of prison overcrowding, and then they get out of prison and they're more likely to reoffend. So these are issues that I think we can look at, and I know Governor Hutchinson, early on in his time as governor, put together a panel, and I was very proud of him for doing that. I think it's something we should continue to address and not forget. Um, I do want to say, as a prosecutor, there are some some offenses out there, crimes against children, um, especially have a, a place in my heart. We've got to be tough on those types of crimes. And those types of crimes, we really need to think about why why are they not going to prison longer, you know, understanding we have to be tough on those crimes. But at the same time, we need to look at our prison overcrowding and address it. I think one of the ways we can do that, and there are many, there are many ways we can look at it, but as a, if you look at the United States as a whole, our juvenile incarceration rates are going down, but in Arkansas, they're going up. We need a, a juvenile system that provides education and mental health care so that the kids that are in the system early have a fighting chance when they get out. I also think it ties into education, which I just shared was one of my passions. And I think the more you educate, the less I, – I just think there's a correlation to the end of the road with the criminal justice system. So – you know, we really need to address that. We need to address drug treatment, mental health care, things like that in the facility. Um, and we need, you know, just letting somebody out too early may not be the right thing, if, depending on the crime. So we really need to look at that and understand as a society, um, as a legislative branch, you know, just really getting feedback on how these things work and can look at the system and fix some of the inefficiencies that are there while being tough on the criminals that need to have toughness on them. Can you tell me a little bit more about your, your background history and, and law and legal profession and, and how that will apply uh, should you be elected to the legislature and become a crafter of laws? Yeah. So I um, am an attorney by trade. I currently work for Simmons Pet Food in Salem Springs, where I uh, am the government trade affairs manager so I work with state agencies and federal government agencies and um, agriculture groups and things like that to uh, help stay in compliance and understand regulations and policies as, as we're, you know, out there in the marketplace selling pet food. Uh, before that, uh, I, am, I was a prosecutor for Washington County, and that was my first job out of law school. I had the opportunity during law school to clerk. Um, I will tell you, it's funny, I went to law school because I, my undergraduate degree was in agriculture, and so that's been a passion of mine, specifically Arkansas agriculture. So not growing up on a farm, I think my family was pretty surprised when I came home and said, you know what, I'm going to change from political science to agriculture. It's so important to Arkansas, and it's so important to our state. I just think it's a much better opportunity for me when I go to law school to have this background in agriculture policy and be able to work in government and really think about how to make sure Arkansas agriculture stays strong. So that was my passion for even starting law school. When I graduated and ended up at the prosecutor's office, 
uh, it was a unique opportunity to serve Arkansas that didn't have to do with agriculture. Uh, but I love that opportunity to see the state from that perspective um, and serve as a state employee. Um, I had an opportunity after the prosecutor's office to work for an organization with the uh, University of Arkansas and Arizona State University called the Sustainability Consortium, and we worked to measure sustainability metrics, and there was probably, um, a, it was a unique opportunity to develop my consensus building skills, if you will, because you've got diverse stakeholders in these corporations that are really working together to, first of all, define sustainability, measure sustainability, and communicate that sustainability to the customer. And I got to spend a lot of time in the early days working on uh, paper products, the forestry industry, and uh, it was a really fun time. Uh, and then, of course, I moved to Simmons and Palm Springs, where I'm at now, and I'm loving the work I'm doing there. I think all of the things that all of these jobs have really uh, given me the skill set needed for the legislative branch of Arkansas and serving an Arkansas legislator because I spent so much time understanding policy. And it's not to always just black and white. It's not always just easy as raise taxes, lower taxes. You really have to be able to take a step back, understand consequences and how they affect our Kansans. And our Kansans in South Arkansas, like El Dorado, may have different needs than our Kansans in Fayetteville. So being able to really take a look back from any notions, um, that's what I can bring with policy understanding that I've had and just reviewing and studying policy. Then there's that multi-stakeholder engagement. Arkansas is just a rich history and culture and people and being able to work across party lines, being able to work with state agencies, these are all skill sets that I bring to the table, and I couldn't be more ready to do that and advocate for the interests of District 87. I was looking over on your campaign website, and you say, you know, you lost your, your father to cancer, and that's that's driven you to work on bettering health care access across Arkansas and making that part of your platform. If it's if it's not too difficult, can you talk for a second about some of the difficulties that he faced with our state's health care system as it is right now? Absolutely. I love to talk about my dad, and he was such a big part of my life. And serving as his caregiver in his, the end stages of his life is one of the greatest honors I'll ever have. And um, as a person and a person of Christian faith, but I just couldn't grow more through that experience, and I'm so thankful to have spent the last 70 days with him on his journey home. And it was an adventure, and it's not one that I can look back with bad feelings because I'm one of the lucky ones that had a fantastic relationship with a really cool, great dad. He's just He was just your average Arkansan. He was a former Marine. He uh, loved the Marine Corps. He loved everything about Arkansas. We're from South Arkansas, and he never, ever forgot how much South Arkansas meant to him. And like, the greatest advice he ever gave me was always remember where you're from in South Arkansas from smack over where we grew up. So just, he was just this great guy, worked for the state for 30 years, and he um, he had some health problems at a pretty early stage in his life. And um, we started dealing with those about 10 years ago, but last July, he got diagnosed with cancer. 
And through the diagnosis, it was a battle for treatment. It was a battle to understand what treatment would be the best treatment for him. It was a battle to find the right facility that could service his needs. There was always a billing code error. There was always an insurance issue. He didn't fit a mold. His disease didn't fit a mold that they have for these insurance companies. So we battled everything from transferring to a public private hospital to a public hospital. We dealt with it all. Um, eventually, we ended up in the VA in Fayetteville where um, we received amazing care, and it was really great to learn so much about the service that they do there. And, but it motivated me because a lot of times I had to take off my daughter hat and just be his caregiver and advocate in the healthcare system when I just wanted to be daughter and have feelings but just have to fight for the care. And I think for our kids, this shouldn't be the case. A lot of times on the rural sides of the state and things like that, you've got uh, you don't you may not have access to certain care and you can't get to care. So really exploring how can we build those systems and make sure people in those areas get care is something that should be a priority. Uh, one of the issues we we also battled was not having the availability of mental health care services until we were in a bigger area and. We need to grow that field. I mean, that plagued us for years throughout his health care. And about two weeks before he passed away, I was sitting there with him, and I mentioned, Dad, I think I think I don't want anybody else to go through some of these things we've had to fight through. I think I'm going to run for office. And he just looked at me and said, really? And I said, yeah, we got to continue this fight. It can't end here. And it really did spark a fire in me. And I find people, voters. Other people really sharing similar stories like, oh, yes, when my parent was sick or, oh, or they just had to constantly fight for health care. And current situation we have, um, it's, it couldn't be more important in these times. Regardless of who you are, regardless of where you live, regardless of your socioeconomic status, you should have access to health care. And that's really important to keep our Kansans healthy. And I hope to see more legislation that provides that rather than take it away. I'm actually running against an incumbent who votes, one of the 15 who voted against Arkansas Works Medicaid expansion, which would take away health care for 289,000 Arkansans had that passed. But it was such a bipartisan effort and compromise. Fortunately, it didn't. And there's still, I think the news said this week, 7,000 or so that still haven't complied with that process. So we need to be looking at ways that help people get health care rather than keep it from them. There's a lot of studies out there that show us if we can be preventive before it's too late, then we can benefit as a community better. As we close here with this episode, I'm just wondering if you can tell me the number one thing you want voters to know about you, about your campaign, and about your platform. I want voters first to know that I would be honored to represent them in Little Rock as a legislator for District 87. Whether they're in Elm Springs, Pawnee Town, or Salem Springs, their interests are what I want to take down to Little Rock. What's best for our district, where I live and where I'm raising my family, where they live and are raising their family. I want to, I want to take that down to Little Rock and I want to make them proud. I want when, 
when I'm elected in my term to be a, you know, coming up to end, we're looking at re-election, I want them to say, that Kelly Scott Unger is an advocate for education. She really is. I want them to know that they can contact me with any questions. Um, had a lady apologize to me recently for being conservative, and I said, no, don't apologize. Share with me what matters to you. That's what it's about. Politics has gotten really ugly, and we see this national stage where uh, the Democrats aren't working, and the Republicans aren't working, and they're fighting with each other. And I want District 87 to know that that's not where I'm at. I'm focused on District 87, the issues that matter to us, and how we can achieve results for Arkansas together in a positive way. I want my kids to look at this experience and know that I was passionate about our state and our community, and they saw me run for office as a result. And that's the same thing I want my voters to feel. I have this passion for our community. Without an opponent, we cannot grow. We can't build. And so it was. it's an honor to be able to run for this, and it would be an honor to have the vote of the people of District 87. I would encourage anyone who has like more information to check us out. We're on Facebook at Kelly Scott Unger for District 87. Um, we have a website, kellyscottunger.com. And reach out to me. That's my email and cell phone number on there, and I'm happy to share any information, answer questions, easy ones, hard ones, complicated ones, you name it. I just want to be accessible to the people of the district and represent them in Little Rock. That concludes my interview with Kelly Scott Unger, running for House District 87. For the latest political headlines in Washington, Madison, Carroll, and Benton counties, be sure to visit nwapolitics.net. And of course, Representative Robin Lundstrom is welcome to come on an episode in the future to discuss her campaign. Remember, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Northwest Arkansas Politics. We'll be back with a new episode next week.